And, and, and I need to just find the people that don't want these deals anymore. And as it turns out in the house flipping and the land flipping area, there's actually more people out there that don't want their properties anymore. Because when you're just owning a piece of land for decades, it doesn't cash flow. It costs property taxes. And every once in a while, you get a letter from the city that the grass is that high, that high and you need to pay a few hundred bucks to somebody to come out and mow it, particularly if it's in the city. Mm -hmm. So people are basically not getting anything for it and it's just bleeding on one or two different ways. And they, they bought it because they wanted to build something on it. They bought it because they wanted to build their second home or their retirement home or because they wanted to, if it's, if it's outside of town, because they thought the city had already long reached it and it would go up in value or that it's a 40-acre parcel because they wanted to go out there and camp there. And perhaps they've done it for a few years, but then kind of like gotten out of that age and didn't want to go camping anymore. And so now they're sitting on this thing. They have no more need for it, but, uh, but we are, and, and they're willing to give these things up for like literally five to 30 cents on a dollar. Perfect. Hey everybody, Jamel Gibbs here. Welcome to another podcast episode. Listen, we have a rock star on the line right now. You guys are going to love today's content. We're going to uh, talk about a different aspect of real estate. Now, our special guest, we've been friends for over 10 years now. He, uh, Ironically, he started in a business around the same time that I have, uh, and we started around the education, uh, in the education around the same time as well. So our stories are, are pretty much uh, the same. Uh, at the end of the day, this guy dominates when it comes to land investing. You guys are going to love today's content. Uh, not only does he invest in land, but he also invests in uh, other aspects of real estate as well. We'll talk a, a little bit about all of this stuff, but I want to make sure that you guys are provided with the best value from the best person. That's what this podcast is all about, right? Uh, but without further ado, let's welcome my good friend, Jack Bosch to the call. Uh, what's up, man? What's up? Thank you very much for having me on the call. I'm super excited to be here. Oh man, it's a pleasure having you, brother. I'm looking forward to providing some awesome content. I know that uh, the value that we're going to provide on today's call is going to be top notch. Uh, because you're a top-notch guy, man. A rock star, my friend. <laughs> All right, I'm going to blush here, man. I'm going to blush here. Well, I'll give you my best. We have only done 4,000 deals, so I, can, I think I have one or the other thing to, 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 to share here. Only 4,000 deals. <laughs> right. Well, listen, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man? All right, so uh, as you said, we were both in the industry for about, about the same time. Uh, as real estate investors, as educators, um, we, I'm originally from Germany, um, came here over about 23 years ago already, time flies, and uh, don't feel it a bit different, I feel just as young as back then, but anyway, uh, so I came over basically to finish my college degree, um, was planning to just like had my job lined up, everything in Germany already, uh, well, things happened, fell in love with two, with two different um, uh, I don't want to say things because it's not things, but uh, fall in love with two different aspects. One, fell in love with a girl, right? Fell in love with a girl in the U.S. Uh, and this girl is now my wife of 19 years and the co-founder founder of our company and the co-CEO of our company. And, and uh, we're running our businesses 100% uh, together. Uh, she's not from here either. She's from Honduras, Central America. 
and then um, also an immigrant. And then we both fell in love with the United States because it's just such a wonderful country with like, with, it still is with all the back and forth and issues and stuff that are going on. It still is a can-do attitude country. It's still a country where, where money grows on the trees, as they say, right? Where, where if, you put, if you have an idea, it's, it's easy to set up a company. It's easy to take action. I mean, it's, not, it's simple. It's not always easy, but it's, it's easier than in many other countries. It's, you don't need much capital. You need an idea and you need that proverbial kind of entrepreneurial spirit to go at something. So, so that's what we love about the U.S. And of course, now we are here. We are American citizens. We have a daughter, 13 years old. We are here to stay. And um, yeah, that's, that's us. Now, somewhere during the process, I got a job. I started working for a software company, hated it. Uh, but then I, uh, over, I, I needed to do it because I needed to get that green card, that permanent residency, because otherwise I would have been illegal alien, didn't want to be that. So I got a job. We, my wife got a job. Then we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. We, we, um, I was 100% travel. We hated that. So we came across real estate and through a long back and forth of three years of failing forward and not knowing what to do, we figured out a, a, a process and a concept that is extremely well known in the United States, yet just as profitable as houses, uh, or if not more, with much less there to do, and that is land flipping. So land wholesaling, land seller financing. So we mm. basically figured out how to make the same money that house flippers make in houses, just without tennis, toilets, termites, houses, mold repairs, uh, contractors, without, uh, without anything, really any of the stuff you have to do to your mouth. So, so you started off in regular real estate investing, and then you got into land flipping, right? Well, I tried regular real estate investing, but I guess that was too complicated for me. Uh, because coming from Germany, no, it's not too complicated. It was the fact was coming from another country, coming with broken English. Um, it's not like you, you first you learn conversational English, right? Then you learn business English, but now you start real estate. This stuff is complete as its own language. Like what is a two by six? I don't know. <laughs> what is a drywall? I mean, this looks pretty dry over here, right? What, what, what's, What's a, I don't know, what's still to this day, I don't know. They, they, sometimes I have contractors over at the house, they fix something and they tell me a word and it's like, what the heck does that mean? Right? <laughs> because there's still words in, in the improved building world that I don't know. These are specialty words of the industry. So now coming to that, I had to learn that. I had to learn the principles about it. I had to learn. I'd never done anything in marketing and, and, and never had any negotiation needed to do any of that stuff. So, so we struggled and we basically mm -hmm. failed. We got a house, we got a triplex under contract for $45,000. We thought it was worth $85,000. We thought it might need only 10 grand in repairs. I think that thing needed, now with what I know now, that thing needed to be torn down and rebuilt, Ooh. right? So, so no wonder I put it, we put it out there. We got 28 people calling us on it and not a single one wanted to buy it because they knew what they were doing. We didn't. Yeah. But once we stumbled upon land through a few coincidences, we came across a piece of property, an acre in a small town with a house here, a house across the street and a farm on the other side that, that was worth reasonably based on comparables was worth about $8,000. And we were able to take that thing and, uh, 
and put it and, and basically the guy didn't want it anymore. He came out of a divorce. He wanted to just move to a different state, leave everything behind. And he's just like, just offer me something. It was like, well, how about 400 bucks? And he's like, sure, I'll take it. So we ex he accepted our $400 offer for an $8,000 property. So five cents on the dollar. And then we went there, put a sign up for sale by owner on the property. The neighbor comes across uh, from the street and buys it right in the spot for 4,000 from us. Oh my God. I was like, your money. <laughs> right. And I was like, I can't do that again. Because I didn't know what a, I didn't need to know what a, a two by four is. I didn't know need to know the cost of cabinetry and whether oak is better than whatever other tree. And uh, I didn't need to know if there's black mold or green mold or any mold in there. Uh, I didn't need to know anything about houses. I just need to be able to establish a value, which is easy based on comps. And we have now five different ways to establish the value of any property in five minutes. And 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 I need to just find the people that don't want these deals anymore. And as it turns out, in the house flipping and the land flipping area, there's actually more people out there that don't want their properties anymore. Because when you're just owning a piece of land for decades, it doesn't cash flow, it costs property taxes, and every once in a while you get a letter from the city that the grass is that high, that high and you need to pay a few hundred bucks to somebody to come out and mow it, particularly if it's in the city. Mm -hmm. So people are basically not getting anything for it and it's just bleeding on one or two different ways. And they, they bought it because they wanted to build something on it. They bought it because they wanted to build their second home or their retirement home or because they wanted to, if it's, if it's outside of town, because they thought the city had already long reached it and it would go up in value or that it's a 40-acre parcel because they wanted to go out there and camp there. And perhaps they've done it for a few years, but then kind of like gotten out of that age and didn't want to go camping anymore. And so now they're sitting on this thing. They have no more need for it, but, uh, but we are, and, and they're willing to give these things up for like literally five to 30 cents on a dollar. Yeah, man. So, so it was obviously an easy transition for, for you getting uh, into land investing from residential investing. But what are some right. of the, uh, what, what, from your experiences, what have been some of the biggest misconceptions people have when it comes to land investing? Great question. So the first one is that land is risky and land is expensive. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's actually true, but not for the kind of land we focus on. And because that's true for the 10 acres next to the ballpark that is worth $20 million that somebody needs to buy, spent a year, two years fighting the city and planning something big with, raising another $100 million to put up a second ballpark or whatever, they or put up a big mall. Those deals, you see like when 2009 hit, there's a mall that we're building back where we used to live, uh, like 20 miles further north. Um, there was a mall that they were building and Nordstrom was supposed to come and all this kind of stuff was supposed to happen. And then 2009 hit and they lost something like $50 million on that deal. Oof. But that's not the deal that we are talking about. What we're talking about is three kinds of properties. So uh, three kinds of first property is an infill lot, like street, 35 houses, one empty lot, ready to be filled in. That's why it's called an infill lot. So an infill lot worth $80,000 because the neighborhood properties are worth 400 grand, 20% of, 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 of the house value. If you pick that thing up for 25,000, sell it for 60 to a builder, the builder's gonna snap it up like that because they, they have an instant $20,000 more equity in the deal, right? They're gonna build their spec house, they're gonna go sell it, they, they'll make their money on it. These deals sometimes literally sell in a matter of a day or two. So the second kind of property, but when, what's the risk? 
You get it under contract for 25K, it's worth 80. Doesn't by the way mean that we buy it for 25K because we do the same you do. We do wholesaling, right? We wholesale that deal right out. We assign it right there to the builder or we do a double closing or we do transactional funding. Exact same thing you do, just we mm -hmm. do it to land, right? And we don't have to visit the property. We don't have to look under the roof. We don't have to inspect, inspect it, estimate repairs. We literally do this from sitting here in my home uh, in my beautiful fake brick wall in the back, which looks better than a thing. This is actually not real here. I'm just having a backdrop going here. But uh, so I'm literally sitting at home in my home office, having done uh, and doing deal after deal after deal because we don't have to go see those properties. We don't have to go um, take pictures of them. We can send somebody. There's a company out there that for 85 bucks goes takes a picture of their properties. We, we do all of that from home. And the third, second kind of property is properties right in the path of growth because they're also right away interesting, uh, interesting for multiple buyers. So the kind of properties that we're focusing on are properties that have a built-in buyer base. Mm. That's why we can flip them quickly. We're not going buying something like, well, let's figure out how we ever going to go sell this thing. That's the, that's the wrong approach. That's the approach that goes like, well, let me risk a bunch of money and then perhaps I figure out later what to do. No, I would never do that. We do the approach of like, I already know who's going to buy this property. I already know what they're looking for. I already know pretty much what they're willing to pay for. So if I get this thing for 30 cents on a dollar and I go sell it for 60 cents on a dollar, I double my money on this deal like that and I have it sold in a matter of days. And so the, for the properties in the outskirts of town, they are typically interesting for two kind of buyers. Either one is like a financial buyer, like we have had doctors, uh, doctors, radio, radio hosts, jewelry store owners, people with a lot of cash flow in their life. They just don't want to have all their money in the stock market. They buy, you, we pick this thing up for 10 grand, we sell it to him for 30, it's worth 50. So he gets a good deal. And what he does, he just keeps owning it because what does the city do? approaches the place little by little like as the city grows if this is outside of a growing city give it another 10 15 years and that property is right at the edge and that property that's worth 50 is yep. worth 500 now yep. that's a safe bet for guys with cash they just park it there right and we tripled our money actually learned that, all of us. actually learned that strategy from you man um a couple years ago i was going through your your course uh and uh, you you talked about investing in the outskirts. So you right. use an example like Atlanta, and then the outskirts of Atlanta. Uh, when you were actually looking, you were actually looking for properties live in the program, and uh, uh, the outskirts were the best. That was the bread and butter properties that you were looking for at that point, man. So yeah, that's a pretty good concept because which way is the city going? Is expanding outward, right? Uh, right. So eventually, if you purchase the property outside the city for you know 10 cents uh 10 of what it's going to be worth in the future as time goes on uh yeah. that value grows yeah. and and you make a, a killing right. on, on those properties right. exactly and then, yeah so in the second person interested in those is future retirees there's a wave of retirees right now that are retiring with not enough money to retire on but they're mm -hmm. owning a house and they might have 100 200 grand equity in that house so they're gonna, a lot of them, or perhaps only 30 grand or so. So what a lot of them are doing is 
right now in their, in their 50s, early 60s, they're buying a piece of land outside of the city, again, in the path of growth, perhaps a few miles or 20, 30 miles sometimes outside of the city. And they're buying it, paying it either cash or paying it off in installments because we offer a lot of land with seller financing. And then uh, they pay that thing off, perhaps either bring a mobile home or bring a, build a small house there for 100 grand. And now they have a free and clear property that is only 20 minutes or 15, 20 minutes away from the doctor, the dentist, the, the movie studios, the grandchildren and so on. But it's a lower cost living. So mm. a lot of people are going to be forced into that living. So they're already buying this right now. There's huge demand for that. And then the third kind of property we focus on is large acreage, meaning mini ranches. Think 20 acres, 10, 20, 40 acres, two, three hours away from the town that all the people you see with the RV next to the house or the RV in the backyard or RV storage, they love that stuff. They go take the RV ATVs, the dirt bikes, the canoes, the kayaks out there, and they just bring a few friends with them, do bonfire, just have a blast for the weekend, and then they come back into the city. So we have these, I mean, ask yourself in your friendship, in your, in your circle of friends around, who, wouldn't have, who would like to have like their own piece of land to go horse around on the weekend? Typically, when I ask that in a room, half of the hands go up, right? So, so these are the three properties. And, and then on top of it, so they have their built-in buyer's, buyer's pools. And on top of it, what we do is we put them on a contract for, as I said, five to 30 cents on a dollar typically. And, and that means that like worst case scenario, go sell it at 40 cents on a dollar and we make a, we make a profit. So so that misconception about land is only about those high priced prime properties with huge million, multi-million dollar development costs. That's not what I'm doing. I've never developed a piece of land in my life. And it's not what we do. We just do what you do just with land, which is much simpler because we don't have to deal with tenants, toilets and termites and, 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 and all the other things that you deal with. So really, it doesn't take that much of a mental shift to go from, resi- from uh, residential real estate into land. It doesn't really take that. It's not much involved in, 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 in a mental uh, capacity, is it? Well, uh, in a mental capacity, no. What the thing is, what we actually have to teach a lot of the house flippers is to unlearn a bunch of stuff because mm. they want to overcomplicate the process. They want to go fix zoning issues and go fix access issues and get and drill wells and stuff like that. It's like, no, 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 no. Just, I have never touched a single property. I haven't actually, we haven't even looked at the, I haven't, none of our team members, including me, has, has not, none of them have been at, physically been at any of the properties that we flipped mm. in the last 13 years. So like, we, we don't, we don't go see them. Why would I see them? It's just a bunch of dirt. I might as well, you have access to, to Google Maps, Google Street View, Google Earth, uh, the county GIS, the geographical information system, shows you exactly how the property looks like, where it is, has, gives you the, uh, the map outlined right over it and shows you here's your property, here's the road, here's the neighbors. And then you pull in Google's, uh, Google Street View and you pull it right over there. And then you just uh, you, you, you see it like because the camera of the Google car looked at the property and you see everything you need to see. There's there's. Uh, there's not a house. I mean, what else can there be? There's not a house that can burn down because there's no house, right? right. And so it's, it's just a simplification of real estate. Having said that, the process, so from, a, from going from household selling to, to land wholesaling is a completely different process. The concept is the same, but there's still something else you need to learn and that is a lot of other things. So for example, what is completely different is our approach to things and the process steps. So 
as a wholesaler, my understanding is, and we wholesaled a few houses back in the 2014, 15, 16, and then we came to our senses again. It was like, what are we doing? Let's do that, what we do best. Let's focus back on that. But in that time period, um, now what, what wholesalers do is you guys probably, you jump when a seller calls. And not, not you, you have a team, but, but your team jumps when a seller calls, right? When a seller wants to meet and get that contract, you jump right? Right. We don't. We only make offers once a week and we make them in writing and we give them 14 days to even look on our offer and accept it or not accept it. So in other words, when somebody calls, if, I, if today I make offers and somebody calls me tomorrow, they have to wait an entire week until I go make new offers. And then they have to wait the four or five days it takes to the post office to deliver it. So they have to wait like two weeks before they even get an offer from me and they get it in writing. That makes so much sense because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the reason why regular investors have to move quick is because there's a lot of competition. Everybody's doing that. But in land, you almost have no competition, right? That's exactly right. There's almost no competition. Does it happen that two people come across the same person within a few weeks? Yes, very rarely, but it, it does. But yeah, there's no competition. Nobody has contacted that seller for mm -hmm. the last 20 years. Another two weeks are not going to matter, right? So, but what it does to your business is the number one thing that I enjoy about my business, other than, of course, the cash that it brings in. And that is uh, the cash and cash flow. And that is that this business can truly be designed around your desired lifestyle, mm. right? I always say, like, when, when we were flipping some houses, if I was at dinner with a family and the phone rang and a notification came through, that that a seller wants to talk i had to say sorry girls i mean i'm married my daughter we have my, my mother-in-law was with us my my wife obviously is, is uh, we live together of course right my daughter lives with us and and we have a female dog so i only have i'm the only my guy in the in the house so it's like oh it's like <laughs> i was like sorry girls i gotta go take that call and and i take that call because if i don't take that call somebody they, they're gonna call the next guy and by tomorrow morning, that deal is gone. Yeah. So here, I, I don't, I have my time blocked off. Thursdays, we do value analysis, figure out what these things are worth. Fridays, we send out our offer, period, done, that's it. Saturday, I don't even open my app. I don't even look at my stuff unless, but then uh, unless somebody uh, says, I mean, I look at it and if somebody says, I give you the property for free, which happens about once a year, then I'll jump on it, right? I might then spend an extra few minutes getting that offer out in between. But, but usually we don't. On the contrary, however, on the selling side, we are more engaged on the selling side, but you can outsource that. For example, mm -hmm. I hired two virtual assistants. One gets my listings ready. The other one takes on the phone calls and the inquiries from the buyers and, uh, and basically closes the deals and has parameters set of what he can decide on his own. And he just goes, sells them for me. So, so let's talk a little bit about valuation, right? How do you, and this is a question that I would have, and I know that other investors would have as well. How do you determine what the value of these things are? Right. Uh, quite easy. Uh, there's five different ways. First way is the exact same way you do it. Comps. Mm. Uh, you go on Zillow, you go on Realtor, you go on Trulia, you go on Landflip, you go on different kind of website, and you look at what properties, what properties in that specific geographical area with similar characteristics, 
So in your case, you look at, if you have a three bedroom, two bath, you look at what other 1500 square feet, you look at any other three, three, two, 1500 square foot that sold in the last three months in that neighborhood in similar condition, right? Well, we do the exact same thing. If I have a two acre parcel, then I'm gonna look around and see what other two acre parcels with similar access to amenities in similar location have sold in the last, we can go a little further out, we can go out in the last year, because land overall just is a little slower, prices mm -hmm. don't jump as quickly as in houses. So I can go in the last year, what sold there? And, and then I see three other properties sold, and they sold for thirty-five dollars and $40,000. It's like, great, let's pick thirty-five as the value. Based on that, I might make a 25% offer. So I'm making like a $9,000 offer and out the offer goes, done. Right? Second kind of valuation is if we don't have access to, if we're dealing in a rural area, then if we don't, for any reason, there's no access, we can't access the MLS because it's in a different state and so on, we don't have access to it. But we, we, there's nothing on Zillow or some of these websites about what's sold. We switch over to listed properties. We look at what, what they're listed at. The only thing we're going to do is, and it's the same process, typically land doesn't sell at the list price. It sells a bit below list price. So if you have a property listed for 50 grand, it'll sell for 40. If it's listed for 100, it'll sell for 85. So you subtract about 15 to 20% of the list, of the comparable list prices, and you get to, to your value. If that doesn't work, you got to compare by size, like particularly for larger acreage. You want to, you, you, you're being offered to purchase a 10 acre parcel, but in that area, there's only five acres and 20 acres and 40 acres. Then you got to look at what they're, they're what, they're, what are they worth and adjust down to the size, keeping in mind that in rural areas, the smaller the size, the higher the value per acre. So you don't, you don't cut the value in half with the property size cuts in half, but you cut it only about a third off. So if a, if a 20 acre parcel is worth $30,000, a 10 acre parcel is not worth 15, it's worth like 20, right? Mm -hmm. And the nice part is because we make such low offers, it doesn't even matter, you don't have to be accurate. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter if the property is worth 40 or 50, because if it's worth 40, you offer 10. If it's worth 50, you offer 11. $1,000 in your offer is not gonna make a big difference, right? So, mm -hmm. so, so bottom line, it's, it's, it's you, as long as you're with the, within the ballpark, you're good. So that makes, again, speeds things up, makes things easier. Mm -hmm. Then there's a couple of other ones you can, you can assign, you can use the assessed value to get a ballpark if it's a, if it's reliable in your state. And you can also uh, use what I talked about earlier. Like if it's an infill lot situation, you can use the house value and take the land value as a percentage of house value, basically like appraisers do it. That's yeah. our five ways. I just gave you Huge amount of secret away. Typically, that's only in our courses, but that's okay. Yeah, man, that, that, was a, that was a head scratcher for me for a long time, man. But I'm glad you, you went over that stuff because a, a lot of people would have that question. Now, obviously, as a real estate investor, there's going to be some obstacles that investors are going to face trying to get into the land uh, investing. What would be some of those obstacles? Um, there's not really many obstacles. That's the beauty of it. I mean, you, we, we use a direct mail strategy because we figured out that, that our response rates are anywhere from like two to 12%, sometimes even up as much as 15% with the majority being like two to 8%. So you get, I mean, house, house flipping direct mail, the response rates are not very high usually, right? I mean, somebody that's doing something fantastic ends up in the two, 3% rate. Most people end up in the below 1% rate. We get anywhere from like, say, 2 to 12, 15% response rates for our letters. 
because so, everybody's not marketing to them. That's, that's why. Because nobody's marketing to them. That's the first letter they received in 20 years. So they're like, really? You want to buy my property? And they're like, or, or they inherited the property and, and nobody cares. Nobody, nobody contacts them. They don't want to own this thing anymore. They're paying property taxes. They don't care about it. So, uh, so then, so then, the, I mean, the key is that you get the, 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 um, the values right, you get the offer right, and you get the listing right. Because the way we sell is we sell by simply putting these properties online on a whole bunch of websites. Now, if you go on Zillow, I would ask the audience to actually pull that up. Go up on Zillow and look up anywhere in the country, like outside of a city, Look up some land listings. Most of them are bought ugly, right? They're bought ugly and they really consists out of a picture, a pic, like an aerial picture from the county website or a Google map, a Google, Google, uh, Google maps picture. And then one sentence and that's it. That's the entire listing because house realtors don't have a clue how to sell, how to sell land. They don't know how to sell land. Now, it's, it's not hard to sell land, but it's actually, you just got to understand it. So there's not really hurdles. Like, because I mean, you put something in a contract for 10 or 20 cents on a dollar, you go market it at 60%, you find a buyer, you sign an agreement, you go have the title company do the work. It's, it's really very, very simple what we do here. But, but the listing part is the part that's probably most important because if you learn that the right way, then your properties sell in days. If you're doing that the wrong way, your properties literally sit there for a year. So that's, that's the key. So, so the way we sell, to give you a quick overview of that, is by not, by not putting just one, up, one picture in one sentence. Right? The house flippers, I mean, the, the, the house realtors, so the, house, the realtors that sell your house and so on, next door neighbor realtor, they know how to sell a house, right? They go get, get it staged. They go have a photographer come on, take in nice pictures, and then they do an open house, and then, and then they put it on the MLS and so on. And that all works nicely, and people come visit, and they show showings. Well, what are you going to show on a piece of land? It's like, this is tree number one, this is tree number two, and this is a bush. There's nothing to show. What, you can't stage a property, right? You're not going to put some furniture on the property. You can't. Ooh. You can't, um, so you can't do an open house on a piece of land. So they're completely lost. They don't know what to do on these, on these lots. So what we do is very simply, we paint a picture with pictures. Mm. So we, we show, we, first of all, we show with pictures that this is the deal because if we're, if the, if the comps are a hundred thousand dollars and we can sell ours for 60, we show a picture that shows the comps. Like we take a screenshot of Zillow and show, Hey, look on Zillow. Here are the comps, 100, 100, 100, 100. Ours is worth 60. Now, does that get people's attention? Yes, all day long, right? Absolutely. Then we go show them houses in the neighborhood. We go Google Street View or Google Maps. We try to find a house, go Street View, take a picture of the house. That's like three, three blocks or three streets over. And say like, hey, this is how your lot could look like once you build a house on it, right? Then we show what's around. We build a dream. And we should tell a story with our pictures. So now when you tell that story and you're done telling that story, people are like, man, this property is so close to town. There's a Walmart close by. There's a hospital close by. There's a grocery shop close by. I'm, I'm, I'm only 20 to 10 minutes away from the interstate. I can get there in 45 minutes from town. 
Uh, there's a creek close by. It's close to this lake. They have all the information they know. They have all the information they possibly need for that property. And they are excited. They don't even need to go out themselves anymore. They literally talk to you and say like, hey, I want to buy this property. Yeah, man, you're selling the benefits at that point. That's You're selling the the benefits, you're selling the dream, you're selling the amenities close by, you're selling all these things. And, and, uh, and, 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 when, and, and that's such a cross, a cross the disc, the dip, difference that literally some of our coaches in our business, uh, in, our, in our company, they sometimes go out for fun and they go look on Zillow for, the, for listings that have been out there for 400 days without anyone buying them. They lowball them. They make like a 25, 30% offer on a property. They get it accepted. They go take that same listing or they buy it with their own money and so on. So that listing goes up. They go just all they do is recreate a great listing and sell it for twice as much within a week again. Mm-hmm. Probably sat there for over a year without selling because the listing was horrible. They put a great listing following our process and they make 10, 20 grand in, in a week. So that's it's, the best way that's what you're doing to sell them. You're, you're basically using realtors. No, we don't use realtors. No, no, no. We we hate realtors. No, we love realtors, <laughs> but we, we we think realtors are really don't understand land. So I love realtors. I have a realtor's license myself. So it's like, I would hate myself. <laughs> if I hate realtors. No. But, uh, but there are a lot of the realtors just don't understand land and they make our life more complicated. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. If anything, what we do, we use our direct mail strategy to build this, provide these properties. I just illustrated a case where one of our coaches went on Zillow, bought a property from Zillow that somebody had listed with a horrible picture and a horrible listing and relisted it on Zillow. And that listing was from the other, when the other guy had listed it, it was sitting for 400 days, over a year without selling. After he bought it from them, he released, relisted it for twice the price and sold it in a week. Oh man. Right? So that's the power of our listing. That's my point. So that's the power of that listing. So yeah, we listed on Facebook marketplace, on Facebook, on Facebook groups, on Zillow on Craigslist on different places. So, so to answer your question from earlier, sorry, it's a long answer for a short question is we, uh, I get excited about that stuff is there that, um, there's not really problems. It's just the process is different, right? You guys talk to the buyer, to the seller. We talk to the buyers. You guys hire a realtor to sell it. Your, your work is all on the front end. We do a little bit more of the work on the back end and the front end. It's very, very much automated and, and, and systemized, systematized, systemized. Awesome, man. Hey, if we had to give our listeners a step by, let's say a three to five step process to getting started with land, what would that three to step process be? Okay. Uh, now you're really asking me to uh, share a lot of stuff here, right? That's cool. Uh, I like you. We're friends. So, um, so the, the three to five steps. So Simple the first step is always, well, the first step, I mean, it, our system is really a five or six step system. First step is you got to find, you got to select an area you want to go after, right? The areas we like to go after are the three areas I talked about. Mm-hmm. So you choose, do you want to be in the city? I don't recommend that to start with because you have to send out a whole bunch more letters to get an infill lot than if you be in the outskirts of town or in the rural area. So start with those last two ones. So focus on an area that's growing, a city that's growing, because so there's a path of growth, there's actual growth, right? Mm-hmm. Make a few areas like that, pick them, when I mean area, county. Typically we go on a county or two outside of the metro area, and we go contact that county, get some, get some we like properties in the five to $200,000 range, that's our sweet spot. So you get a list from a list service or a stuff for, for, for land in those areas, 
you send them a letter. Now, you want to send them our letter because it's been split tested like 100,000 times, not really 100,000 times, but hundreds of times it's been split tested. And then they call you back and then you make them an offer. So, so the steps to start with is, is look around on Zillow and see just how horrible the listings are and see how quickly, see some really good listings and then see how quick they sell and often they sell very, very quickly. Uh, get yourself familiar with the thought that actually that, like that dirt that you drive by is not just dirt, it's actually gold in the form of dirt, right? <laughs> so like when I used to drive from Phoenix to Vegas, it's about a five hour drive. It's like, look at that, that's just desert. Once we understood this process, we drove from Phoenix to Vegas. It was like, look at that. It's just a freaking gold mine everywhere here. (laughs) Your mindset just needs to shift. You have been walking by lots and and, and lots and acreage and things for the rest of your, for, for, for all your life without seeing that they're really gold mines waiting to be harvested. Right. So change your, change your thing. But the three, four steps is like, pick some counties, pick some areas that are growing in the United States, Google. 100 fastest growing cities in the United States or large cities in the United States. Pick one of those, go around and see what counties they are, see what activity is going, what's the price point is. If there's a lot of properties uh, in the price point of five to $200,000, that's an area you want to get started with. And then mm-hmm. the process steps are more like, you probably do want to get some educational program about that. But, yeah. uh, but, but then send them a letter, contact them, um, then make them an offer in the five to 30 cents uh, range. And then go create an awesome listing and sell it. That's that's the steps. It's really that's it's as simple as that. Absolutely, man. I, speaking of which, uh, how can our listeners get in contact with you uh, for more information on how to get started investing in land? Right. So there's a few ways. So the first way would be we have a Facebook group called Land Profit Generator Real Estate Investing Group. So if you go to Facebook and just go to Land Profit Generator Real Estate Group, there's only one group that pops up right now because our it's our uh, trademark name and you can join that group there's literally thousands of students of us in there or people in there and a lot of our students helping each other doing uh, doing deals and on average we literally get two to three student successes posted in there voluntary by our students still posted in there every single day so this is like the success rate of our students is off the charts because it's a untapped secret in real estate the other way you can go to find out more about this program, you can go uh, to landflippingclass.com. Uh, you can register for sometimes we do a multi-day kind of free training that we, that we do. And then you can also go to landprofitgenerator.com. And right there, there's, there's links and things in there with two free videos and a whole bunch of stuff that you can watch there uh, and, 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 and learn more about what we do. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. And I'm going to uh, make sure all the links are in the description box uh, below as well. Uh, so you guys make sure you check that out. Land investing is a hidden gem in the real estate investing space. A lot of investors focus on houses because that's what the majority teach. But as you can see, Jack is absolutely, like I said, he's a rock star. He's killing it in the land business and you can as well. So definitely check out the links in the description box. Now, uh, one question I, I always like to ask uh, before sure. you jump off the line, Jack, is are you reading, what are you reading right now, if anything? 
Okay, let me pull up my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm lately. I've been so busy with multiple projects because what we also do is the, the, like what we make, the money we make, we roll over into additional asset classes. So we now have apartment complexes, houses, uh, commercial. You got property. one a couple of hours away from me, by the way, in Fayetteville, don't you? That's right. That's right. I do. Yeah, we. I love that. I love that property. It's been like through the COVID, it's been doing this. Before COVID, it was doing this. Through COVID, it's been doing this. It's just 98% occupied. It's a 90 unit apartment complex. It's a fantastic property. So, uh, but what am I reading? I'm actually more looking at audiobooks. My daughter's back in school right now in, in person. So on the West Coast and Arizona, they're doing in-person school again, at least in the private school she's in. And I, it's a wild mixture of, of books. I'm talking, I'm, I'm reading some more spiritual books like for example, one of them is uh, Radical Self-Acceptance. Not that I don't accept myself, I, I do, but it's a Buddhist kind of more book. I'm mm -hmm. talking about, I'm reading um, um, the book uh, about Crucial Conversations. It's about more conflict resolution in a way that both parties walk away really happy and that mm -hmm. it doesn't come to a clash. As a company leader, our team has has... 40 people in our company doing various things between from multifamily, single family, management, uh, education, uh, land flipping, of course, right? So we have to lead people. I have to constantly grow as a leader uh, to, to, to make sure we're creating a culture that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that, is, that everyone loves and that, that people can thrive in and so on. So crucial conversations I'm reading, which I'm finding very interesting. Um, I'm reading a book about... Uh, about what happens with hyperinflation because with the Fed injecting trillions of dollars into the market, I'm kind of curious about that. And Germany went through that process in 1923 mm -hmm. where literally you could, uh, where, where you could buy a, a, a dozen eggs for a trillion Deutschmark in the morning and in the evening, one egg cost 100 trillion Deutschmark. Wow. So that's how fast inflation was. So you literally people use, use money to fire their stove with because it was worthless. And so obviously I don't expect that to happen here, but it's good to understand the dynamics and so on. And then my favorite management book, if I want to talk about that, is a book called Turn the Ship Around, which is um, by a former U.S. Marine, uh, United States Navy, I'm sorry, not the Marine Corps, but United States Navy a uh, submarine commander who prepared like crazy for half a year to take over a brand new submarine. And two weeks before they changed his command over to take over the oldest, uh, oldest and worst performing submarine in the Navy, which technology were completely different. So he went from knowing everything about this system to knowing nothing about systems and having to take it over. And the lessons he learned from that and how he got this, this worst performing submarine within one year for, to become the best performing submarine is a beautiful lesson for business in terms of leadership, in terms of management style. Uh, and it's one of empowerment of your team members so that not everyone comes to you for decisions, but that everyone really knows how to do their job to 100% themselves. So that, and, and which job would you rather like to have? A job where you like have no decision power or everything over anything and you have to ask your boss for everything or a job where you can truly be uh, the, the, the master and, and, and get everything in your, in your area of expertise and every responsibility done without having to ask anyone. Right? I mean, also lend itself to a better business at the end of the day as well when someone can make Exactly. Yep. 
it lends you a bit of like, which job would you leave sooner? Which job, where would you quit faster? Quit, right? Do you quit the job at McDonald's where you have nothing, no decision authority, you want to do something different, you're not allowed to? Or would you, do you quit the job where you basically can bloom and can be, be the greatest person you can in your skill set, right? right. So, so that's what we're creating versus this is what the world is doing. So it's a, I think it's a beautiful management book uh, that, that uh, I subscribe to and that we're growing right now with our team of 40. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out as well, man. Uh, I'm going to link all of the books in the description box as well. Uh, so you guys be sure to check that out. Uh, Jack, man, it's been a fantastic call. I appreciate you taking the time out uh, to uh, share this information. Definitely valuable information. And I know you guys are going to benefit from it. Be sure to like this video. Leave a comment. Let us know what's on your mind. If you have any, any other questions in regards to, uh, to land investing, uh, definitely leave that comment below and we'll be happy to answer your questions as well. But in the meantime, check out the links in the description. Um, you guys are going to benefit greatly by investing into uh, education like this uh, because as, as you can see, when it comes to land, the, when you look in, in terms of competition, it's almost, noth uh, it's almost none, nothing compared to uh, residential investing. So uh, this is something that you guys definitely need to look into. Now, Jack, any last words for our uh, listeners? Um, sure. So the thing is, in real estate, there's a lot of shiny pennies, right? Mm. There's a lot of different things that you can do. And it doesn't matter to me which one you do, whether you do mine or somebody else's or, or Jamel, obviously, is fantastic and on forever. And uh, so what I would... What I care about is that people are successful. So therefore, what I recommend everyone that watches this or watches anyone's podcast, right? Anytime you have a shiny penny or something like that in front of you, ask yourself the question of how would you like, uh, how would you like your life to look like, number one? How would you like your day to look like, number two? And then also ask yourself is what level of knowledge will it take to do what you're just intrigued by? So for example, 18 years ago, we failed with a wholesale. Today we have done probably, we have done land wholesales, we've done house wholesales. Back then, wholesaling was the way to go, but we needed to go the detour to land wholesaling to get to household selling because mm. we didn't understand life and there was no Jamel around to learn from, right? But if 18 years ago, somebody would have come to me with a $6 million apartment complex, I would have been screaming running the other way around, the other way, because apartment complex investing, for example, multifamily is about 3.2 million times more complicated than what either one of us are do is doing, mm -hmm. right? So as a result, if, I, if you are excited into something that is super complex, then make sure that you have the confidence, capability, and skill set, and the ability to learn the skill set if you don't have it, and that you're right with, with a tremendously steep learning curve to learn that. And if you're not yet ready for that, then pick something else that has a less steep learning curve, master that, because with the mastery of a simpler system comes more confidence. And confidence is the game of life. 
If you are not confident in something, if you're not confident that you're gonna cross, that nothing's gonna happen to you when you cross the street, chances are you're not gonna cross the street. The only reason you cross streets all day long is because you know you're confident that you can do it without dying. Right? So it's the exact same for everything. So you wanna build that confidence, in my opinion, not by going from here to here, because most people give up somewhere here, but by going from here to here with a method that doesn't require you to learn everything in the world that is necessary about real estate. Mm. That's how it was for us. By learning land flipping, we learned the method, we learned, we learned to be confident, we learned the ins and outs of real estate, we learned the language of real estate. And then over time, we learned the language of houses. Then we started buying houses, rental houses. Then over time, we learned how to manage houses. We learned how to manage a portfolio from a distance. And over time after that, we, we then said, well, if we can manage a portfolio of houses on a distance, we can make, manage a 90-unit apartment complex from a distance. And then we jumped into that. And from that came money raising. And from that came that. So now we have done a, a huge amount of real estate and a huge amount of different complex, super complex things. But 18 years ago, I would have run the other way screaming because of my, neither my knowledge, confidence, capabilities, right. And everything, any, any of these things were there. So my, my advice is just start where you are. Start with something you can wrap your arms around. And I believe wholesaling, whether it's house or land, doesn't matter. But wholesaling is a great way to get started. Absolutely. Minimal risk as well. Right. And, uh, you know, minimal capital involved. Absolutely. So guys, definitely click on those links in the description box. This has been a fantastic podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Appreciate you taking the time out to join us today, Jack. Again, guys, like this video, subscribe to my channel, subscribe, leave a review on the podcast. Let us know what's on your mind. The only way for me to know what's on your mind is for you to leave a comment below uh, and make sure you're notified. Click the notification links on, on the, uh, the channel as well, just so that you can be notified of when videos just like this one, where you get top-notch value comes out every single week. Listen, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Jack, thank you so much for, for uh, joining us today. And I'll talk to you guys later. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash Jamel Gibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. Check out all of these platforms for daily content, weekly content, more content from Jamel Gibbs. But if you want to get more in depth, go to REI Education Academy. Com. And that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today. Talk to you later.